Hey, welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back Weekly Review Podcast, episode 37. comics that come out uh one of us will pick what we thought was the best book of the week we will write a review of that uh book on our site fanboystrikeback.com and then we'll come here to the podcast we'll talk about most of the books that came out that week we might talk about a little movie news anything comic book related or things that we find that are geeky enough uh we're going to discuss all the books and everything there are going to be spoilers so if you don't want to be spoiled you might want to pause the podcast and come back later and Eric, you had the choice for the best book this week, and what did you pick? Uh, it was Mighty Avengers number 12. And Yes! Finally! Holy Vindication! Crap! Well, okay, well, first of all, this story, this issue had nothing to do with I've, no, pretty much the this whole was, run so far. Yeah, this was, a, and this was completely new. This wasn't... Big stuff happened in this book, and it wasn't hyped. You had no idea this was going to happen. No, it was a standalone. And, um, holy crap, like, this was something I picked up in the store, and I was like, well, I thought, what the hell, you know, what what harm could it do? It looked interesting. Um, Alex Maleev's art really stood out to me in the store, and I was yeah. like, and I saw Nick Fury was in it. I was like, well, I know he's been gone for a while, and I do want to get caught up with that, and, you know, well, okay, you know, add, add it to the pile. And there's nary a Ven- an Avenger to be seen in this whole no, this is story, awesome. besides Spider-Woman. But, uh, holy crap, this basically showed the very last time uh, Fury had interaction with the team, and then he went into hiding, and, and what was supposed to be kind of his happily ever after moment, you know, it showed him and how he was kind of apprehensive with going to a normal life, you know, not uh, to, to settling down, and, and that mm-hmm. thought of that, and then, of course, as soon as he tries to do that, he discovers the scroll threat, and they, how they were monitoring him, trying to get the shield codes out of him. Yeah. And, and he is a cold-hearted son of a bitch, too. Because he, <laughs> he finds out it's the woman who he ran away with and who he's sleeping with. And he didn't know she was a scroll, but she comes back after he learns she's been spying on him. And he pretty much just shoots. He gives her two chances to answer. Yeah, two he's got two a chances. Gun, gun to her, and he just flat-out shoots her. And then she turns into a scroll, and he's pretty much like, well, shit, didn't, <laughs> didn't see that one coming. <laughs> but, like, just, just the build-up to that, like... I was like, damn, he's he's cold hearted. But uh you know, he, he figures that out and then he, he he knows the implication. So the next scene is him going to uh Maria Hill's quarters in Shield and giving Shield the warning of what's to come. And that was a that was a fantastic scene, just the tension because these are people who do not like each other. And Maria Hill right. has you know obviously stated she's bringing Fury down at all costs. And there's, it's kind of interesting, because there's people in S.H.I.E.L.D. that are still like Fury, and there's people who don't like him. And mm-hmm. I, I just found that dynamic between the two of them very interesting. And he's so smug. Like, he's just smug at, like, 
I'm, I'm coming he's, here. He's Nick Fury. He has to be. Yeah, but no, I loved it too. He's like Han Solo. Like he's just like you're, <laughs> you're not gonna catch me. Like I'm here doing you a favor. Do what you want with it. Just understand this is what's happening. Right. And uh, and damn, it was good. And then, yeah, then I, I love like when he gets away. He has a cloaking device, and Maria Hill's like. Where did that come from? And the guy's like, well, he has clearance for it, don't you? And she's like, should I? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, you, you could just see, like, she, she's so tense and she's just so pissed off at him for right. her. But, um, and then the, uh, the last scene is her and, Je- or, I'm sorry, him and Jessica Drew. Mm-hmm. And this is him trying to bring in an, an Avenger. And, and basically, you, you know, these two have a past and she's like, well, you know, screw you, you know, <laughs> Is it, you know, you, you screwed me over and you want me to come right. work for you now? And he's like, well, here's the situation. Again, like, he's just so straightforward. And he's not, what I like about him is he just does, he does shit. He, he does things for the greater good, but he's not afraid to get his own hands dirty. Regardless of whether or not people like him for that, which I find is really good. But he's also very unapologetic about everything he's done. He doesn't apologize. And he has no... Real. While Nick Fury is an extremely unrealistic character, he is an extremely realistic character at the same time. Like, you know that there are really people out there in the world that are exactly like Nick Fury, and you know that those people are... It may be sad, but those people are necessary. Well, you know who he reminds me of is... He reminds me of, uh... He reminds me of King Faraday in The New Frontier. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a... Like, yeah. he does things for the greater good, but he does them by getting his own hands dirty... But you know it, that that's what it reminded me of, and I I think I really like the character after this, and um, just the scene with Jessica Drew because he's the only one or she's the only one he came and talked to, and so that added a whole new layer of her reaction to when they found uh, the Electra scroll and why she right. went to Tony, and I was like, okay, that's yes. really cool, and and you know this starts to come together. The great thing about this is just the tapestry, because Bendis is writing all of these, and it's it's all coming together, and like, damn, I just want more Nick Fury after this, but he is, he's awesome. Yeah, I mean, a big thing, speaking of coming together, was that this goes back to Bendis' Secret War storyline. Like, this directly, we will basically find out exactly what happens right after Secret War, because in Secret War, Fury got together all these heroes... They went and did this job in Latveria, and then he erased their memories of it. And then they found out. And this starts with Wolverine trying to kill Fury just for messing with his mind. Mm-hmm. And we, that's the last time we saw Fury. And that story wasn't, you know, as much as I love Bendis, it wasn't great. Just because of the drop-off, we were just like, what, this, it doesn't make sense. But, like, now going back, it's like, okay, you can see what, what's going on, where he was going. And so it's cool, because it's like one of those things where... You know, it's always great when you have a story that happened years ago, and then you have something that comes along, and then it makes that story even better. So, like, now I can go back and read Secret War, and there's so much more to it now. And the thing is, it's not really even a retcon, because apparently he had this planned out for years. Yeah, he had it planned out the whole time. We just, we had no idea then. Yeah. Um, the other thing about this book is uh, the art by Alex Maleev and uh, Matt Hollingsworth. Mm-hmm. My God, it was just beautiful. And, and like a I was saying in this book, like the way the way characters are written and the way they're uh, drawn, like this this definitely is not you know the Frank Cho book that it was you know five or six issues right, ago. Like, right. and, and to be honest, like Frank Cho is all good and nice, you know. And uh, again, like Ian Churchill draws a lot of criticism, and yet people just love Frank Cho. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see a whole lot of 
difference. In no, the, definitely not. And I might, and I'm, I might grow a lot of flack for saying that, but like they, they cater to the same audience. Where Alex yeah. Maleev, um well, he draws like dark sexy women. Gritty. Yeah, this is dark and gritty art. But like, I don't know, just like the the faces and the, the lines of the body and the way people dress and things like that. Like, just little touches like Fury, like how he didn't look like he did in the old books or even in like when he appeared in astonishing you know this, like his hair's rougher he's got a, like a wispy beard like time's passing and like the dude's just grizzled and yeah. it, it like to me it felt like an old like black and white uh norm movie like when when like just men were men and you know classic classy dames and things like that like i just i yeah. loved it so i yeah, i hate this issue up if mighty avengers was like this all the time Hey, it's been good. I've been telling it's you been good, for but, like, I'm months. Just, I'm not into the characters. And if, okay, let me rephrase it. If we had a Nick Fury book written by Bendis, sign me up. You know, and I can't, I have to wonder that that can't be far off. Especially, I mean, with him coming back. I can't remember last time we actually had a Nick Fury series. Well, here's the thing, and, and we'll get to this later because I'm going to talk about Checkmate. But, like, I could see, like, a S.H.I.E.L.D. book very, being very similar to what Checkmate is to D.C. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I, you know, Checkmate's successful, and I don't see any reason why, you know, they they wouldn't do a S.H.I.E.L.D. book. Cause they you know already what I love, do... though? Iron yeah. Man. Oh, well, with Iron Man, they have an Iron Man director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, that's true. So... Yeah, it, it, there should be a S.H.I.E.L.D. book, and I hope that that's something that comes out of Secret Division. Um... What I loved was the very last page in this book, which is basically Fury looking at a wall, which is full of pictures of all the heroes, and trying to figure out who's a scroll and who's not. Yes, he had some he had some interesting circles, and I noticed Wolverine, yeah, Spider Man, Wolverine, Spider Man. But there's there's red circles and blue circles. We don't, um, I don't know what that Daredevil means. Daredevil circle, Doctor Strange, Namor. Well, thing is, we Century. Already, Century was a big guest that everyone thinks is a scroll. We've already seen Daredevil being impersonated, right? So, is it possible uh, that Spidey and both Spidey and Wolverine came off that that ship? I yeah, I can't. Like we've discussed, like they can't do it to Spider Man after a brand new day. It'd be but, it'd be crazy if they did though. Um, a, a lot of people are thinking they might do it with Wolverine because ever since House of M and Logan has gotten his memory back, the character has kind of he's kind of lost his appeal, all the mystery, and so a lot of people think that they're going to make him a scroll just to retcon it, and so that the new Logan wouldn't have his memories again. So all that backstory they tried to put in to just be... Which, I, as an X-Men fan and a Wolverine fan, I'd honestly be okay with it, because I think we're getting... We're getting too much backstory, and it's not very interesting. Yeah, well, so, I, it, yeah, I agree. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, so just damn good book. That was by far... Very good book. Yeah. Very good book. By far the book of the week. Um, well, we are at the very end of Countdown. Countdown of Final Crisis number one Pardon came me? out. Okay, so last week we said how the characters kind of echoed our sentiments in the book. Like I said, how Kyle was basically just like, what the hell's yeah. going on? Again, this issue, the exact same thing happened. It was just like, I'm like, that's it? And, you know, Donna and Kyle, and they're all like, that's it? Right. Nothing happened. Yeah. So, so the whole purpose of that year-long story was to kill the new gods and make the challengers the monitor of the monitors. Yeah, that's the that's main thing that came out of this, is that the challengers are basically in charge of the monitors now. 
which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because like aren't the monitors like all powerful yeah so how why could like donna troy and the atom like how could they have power over the monitor which does uh, uh, yeah and i don't know and see you know the thing about this is it's disturbing characters that i like because i don't like i don't like them making kyle so whiny i don't like Ray Palmer being someone I really grew to like Ray Palmer in Identity Crisis and this is not the same Ray Palmer yeah. that we saw in that um, Jason Todd is is back to his old ways he didn't now. change at all he went right back <laughs> so yeah which I, I mean how do you feel about that though I don't know that... well it makes sense I, at the same I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with the character because what they came out of is he's saying you know he, he's still criticizing Bruce but it seems like he doesn't have the the animosity towards Bruce anymore because he's seen what he wanted, what that would have done to Batman. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed like the Red Hood was a better character than Red Robin, and so it seems like he's I don't know he, going back to that persona. Yeah, well, he's just saying you know it's he he said out of anything that he's learned you know he's been the Red Hood, he's been Nightwing, he's been Red Robin. He said this is it's finally time for him to create his own identity and he's not going to go back to being a sidekick and he's not going to do the vigilante thing like Bruce, but he's got to do what he has to do. So, you know, what was the highlight of this book though? Hmm. Was, um, Mary Marvel getting a fight with black Adam and then saying that she was married damn Marvel. I was like, Oh yeah. Sounded oddly familiar, (laughs) but, uh, no, like in, in black Adam was just like, you know, I, he, what he say is like I don't tolerate child abuse, but in your case, I might make an exception. Yeah, something like that. Something like that, and which everyone's annoyed with her. So I don't get what they're doing with that character arc either. It just seemed like they didn't progress anybody, or they did, or they backward progressed with a lot of characters. And so I just, I just don't get the focus of this. And I, I know like for a while the idea with Donna Troy was to make her the new Harbinger, which was kind of like someone who was in league with the monitors and kind of does all mm-hmm. the data keeping for the universe and everything like that. But now I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I hope this pays off more in Final Crisis, but, so. you know. And it was just really weird how it actually ended. Like, the last page was Holly Robinson and Harley Quinn in Gotham City. It was so and anticlimactic. Yeah, it was just, it was just odd. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah. But final, does Final Crisis start next week? the uh, zero issue no we have issue zero and then i think it's a week or two i'm not sure though uh speaking of things coming to an end uh, checkmate uh came out this this week and this was the last issue of Rekka's run greg Rekka's run and it was oh, fantastic um that's sad yeah it, it was really good the whole thing about there was this deal where cobra was taking over and they had planted all these kind of... They were making little cobra babies that were half human, half lizard. And these things were just soulless little devil monsters, and they were planted all over the world. So Checkmate got in league with the with the Justice League, and they were fanning out basically all over to, to try and find all these, these babies. And what happened was Batman shows up, and he's like, what are you... It's made abundantly clear in the story, like, these things can't be reasoned with, they can't be redeemed or anything like that. And he shows up, at Shield, or see here I'm doing it. So Batman shows up at Checkmate headquarters and says, "What are you with Sasha, who he knows?" And says, "What are you going to do with these babies?" And she's like, "Don't worry, we're taking care of it." And he's like, "What are you going to do with these babies?" And I'm like, "Holy shit, they're going to kill all these babies!" You know, as messed up as little Cobra babies sound, like that's 
pretty pretty bad to just go and you know, slaughter yeah. babies. And uh, they had this, I, so that I was on my, the edge of my seat for that reason. And then they had this special team of four different people that had all these, every person had a different like kind of skill, and one was magical, and, and one was a robot, and yada, yada, yada. So what happened at the end, well, I don't want to give it away, basically, but there was, a, there was a twist at the end that I really didn't see coming. I probably should have, but I didn't. I was, there was a really great payoff with the storyline. Um, I'm really sad to see Greg Rucka leave this book, because I believe uh, the next guy who's coming on was the guy who ruined Nightwing for me. Mm-hmm. I can't think of his name. Brent uh, Jones? Bruce Jones? Bruce Jones. And, uh, yeah. I, I can't imagine him ever writing, ever getting comic book work again after that. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm not going to buy it anymore. But it, what a ride! That was that was fantastic. So, Greg Rucka, awesome, good job. Well, I dropped the JLA, but apparently it was good this this month, this week. This was a standalone issue, and what this book does was well, basically you dropped the wrong book because I dropped Flash, and I was. And basically, Flash is spotlighted in this issue, and the whole thing is this is another one where art imitates life a little bit because it, Wonder Woman shows up and she's like, "What the hell's going on with you? You know, you you haven't been the same since you've come back. We've barely seen you. You're not helping out with the league. You know, you've been acting funny. What's what the hell's going on?" And this was the first time you know someone called Wally out on his shit, and basically they right. they acknowledge all the problems that Wally West has had since he's come back, and it was great. Like this. This was a Flash book, basically, and it was great. This was the real Wally, and he was back again. And um, again, it, it was kind of showing that, you know, while he is a member of the Justice League and they need him, it's funny because we got his perspective. And he remembers the first time he met Diana when he was thirteen, and you do remember that, you know, he was once one of the Teen Titans, and he wasn't, you know, he's not as old as the rest of the characters. Right. And so it was just it was a fun issue, and it showed how he goes about problem solving things and how sometimes when he kicks things into motion because he's the Flash and doesn't think ahead of, you know, of everything, by saving one group of people, he sometimes endangers others and things like that. So it, it was really, really well done. And plus, uh, Ethan Van Skyver did the art for this. Oh, and yeah. he's been, you know, the, the Green Lantern guy. And it, it was just a beautiful book, first of all. But second, uh, it was just a standalone Flash story with Wonder Woman guest starring in either... I, I wish the Flash book was like this because this was what it needs to be. And who's who's the guy writing this book? I thought it was McDuffie. It is McDuffie. Okay, it. yeah, you're right. Um, McDuffie wrote this, and this was like apparently this would be like what he was writing it if he wasn't getting so many you know notes from above and wasn't having to uh, right. tie in with Salvation Run and all that kind of stuff because this was a great book. While while the last several issues have been really really lackluster that. I've had to do tie-ins. I, I hope the book maintains this type of momentum. Um, one book I wanted to touch very briefly on was Uncanny X-Men number 497. Don't really want to talk about the book because I actually haven't been liking the book all that much. I have to say I've been kind of disappointed in Brubaker's run. It's it's good, but it's not like it's not epic, and especially Uncanny, it has basically had nothing to do with the end of Messiah Complex, so and, and, and Uncanny is a flagship title, so like I'm expecting a lot of that. Anyway, what I want to talk about is there is there was an unannounced variant cover that Marvel put out, and I got it, and I don't know why. My my the guy at my store just threw it in there, and it's basically 
the same cover as the normal one, only in the variant cover, Scott Summers, his skin is green. So what do you so, think of that? I, I think either it's a hint that Scott Summers might be a scroll, or it is a huge red, red herring. Either way, I, I'm, I was very excited about it. What would you, I mean, I, I don't know, it'd be a pretty far-fetched red herring, but like, what, what do you think if Scott Summers was a scroll? Because he's kind of one of your go-to guys, so. I would have no problem with Scott being a scroll. The only thing that it would really affect would be Astonishing. Well, yeah, and that's that's what. And it... astonished, but and astonishing is like so like almost out of continuity and everything that it would work. But I don't know. I mean, the way he's been acting lately after Messiah Complex, which is just like kill everything, kill everyone, blah blah blah. He, he hasn't been acting like the actual Scott Summers. It's like they took. It's like they were doing a Batman. Yeah, like he went. He went too dark. Well, all of a sudden, even in Messiah Complex, like it was, it was showing like he was being a lot gruffer towards everything. And, yeah, uh, and, uh, cr- creating X Force and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that and, would make sense. Yeah, and I like the the kick ass Scott Summers, but he's going too far. But um, I don't know. Either way, I I think it's cool. Like, first of all, I really like the fact that they didn't announce it. And even if it is a red herring, I think it's cool. Cause it's something to get excited about, something to talk about, you know. Which is one of those things that, like, it only happens in comics, and it's just, it's part of the community. I think, like, it's just really fun to, like, get that and be like, oh, let, let's speculate on what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, one book I want to talk about real quick is Northlanders number 5. I talk about this book every time it comes up, but it's just so damn good. Uh, yeah. One of my criticisms of the book was there's no one in this book that's likable <laughs> because they're all just tremendous assholes. And the main character, he's a Viking, but he is a character who who left and he came back. And we know that in in that time, you know, he traveled the world and, and such like that, but we've never gotten his backstory before. And in this issue, this filled in his backstory. And what we see is that when he was very young, maybe 12 or 13, uh, he, his village is raided and, and things like that and he, he's criticized for not being the Viking warrior that his father is and he he kind of renounces it. He, he doesn't enjoy the Viking lifestyle of pillaging and plundering and, and being so barbaric. Like He's like, there's got to be a better type of life than this. And so it, it's him renouncing that lifestyle, running away. We found out that he was uh, sold into slavery for a while and then what that did is from one slave trader to another, he was brought to Constantinople. And that was like the, the city of the cities back then. He fell in love with uh, his uh, boss's daughter, and, and eventually he was freed, and and they were in love and things like that. And they never got married, but she she kind of ran the, the, the large business that her father was, she inherited from her father when he passed away, and he was kind of her enforcer. And so they had kind of a deal worked out, and then he one day just kind of realized like he had to go home and kind of settle business back home and uh, what we got is a real tender backstory and while Brian Wood he didn't redeem the character um, he made him more sympathetic and so it's uh, it, it lends more kind of depth to his current current state of affairs and current storyline because what happened was recently in the book in the last issue we find out that people who were who've been hunting Sven, who's the main character, 
went back to Constantinople and, and took care of his girlfriend. And so now he's he's pretty much in it to win it at this point. And, and he, he was kind of renouncing Valhalla, which is the, the Viking heaven and things like that. And in, in this one, he kind of says, well, you know, the, the, I'll, I'll get the Viking death that I was always supposed to get and things like that. So um, it almost seems like this is going to be a limited series. And I thought it was an ongoing, but apparently I was wrong. So I don't know how how long this this series is going to run. And that kind of surprised me. I, I would think they would do it for you know, you know, try try and hope for you know fifty issues plus or something like that. But it sounds like they're only going to go, I don't know, maybe another six months or so. I can't imagine the story's being drawn out any further unless they finish the storyline and reintroduce a whole new batch of characters. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. It was really interesting. I I still really love this book, but. Uh, it was nice to get kind of a a backstory for this character, and now when we go forward into it, seems like this is going to be the third act starting it. And so now that we kind of know all the facts and we have the backstory, it's really going to add a lot of weight and a lot of um, just a lot more a lot more power to this last arc. So I'm really excited for it. Um, X Force number three came out this past week, and I've been trying to figure out whether I like this book or not. <laughs> and and I think at the I think the very last panel of this book made me officially like this book. Really, I was I thought you were gonna go the other way on that. No, um, you know we haven't really been sure of what's been going on. Like the whole point of X Force was that they were supposed to go after the purifiers, but the reason why I like X Force is that it's very much in X Men continuity, and we've been seeing the emergence of a lot of old villains. Um, Bastion, who is he's like a modern Nemrod Sentinel, and he, he's been having this master plan. You don't know exactly what's going on, but the purifiers are part of it. And at the very end, you basically see that they're going and they're hunting down all the remains of all these old X-Men villains, like Victor Creed and Cameron Hodge. And Bastion is also hunting down the Phalanx uh, Technovirus, which is also an old X-Men villain, basically. And you find out what he's done at the very end is that he's used the, the techno-organism to reanimate these villains back to life. Hmm. And you see that on the last page, and the reason why I'm so excited is that there are the villains like Victor Creed, um, Cameron Hodge, Donald, Donald Pierce... None of these villains are super villains. These are all basically humans who have a problem with mutants. And that's like what I really like I, I as soon as I saw that panel, I was like, this is exciting because we've kind of lost that. And that's what makes the X Men so special, is that it's the prejudice and you know, the fact that they are segregated. And these are like villains who or, like, the political villains. Like, real villains. Like, these are people who try to say, like, you know, mutants are, are horrible. Mutants are... They deserve to die. They're, they're leaders of cults and political groups. And this had me actually really, really excited. And I'm not sure how it's going to play out that this is happening in X-Force's book. Because... It's surprising, yeah. But it's... It has a lot of potential. I mean, they have, like, Bolivar Trask. They brought him back to life, and he was a, the creator of the Sentinels. Um, stuff like that. They actually used the techno virus to bring William Stryker back to life. I was wondering and if they brought Stryker back. Stryker's one of them. Graydon Creed, who is Victor Creed, uh, Sabretooth's son. So, 
this book has a lot of promise. I guess there's only, I think it's only six issues. I'm not sure if it's an ongoing story or if this is just uh, as a first arc is six issues, but this was number three out of six. And at this point, this could be really good. Either that or it could be really bad. But I know right now I'm excited, and we'll see how it goes. Well, it would be very cool to inject more of that social awareness or social issues type of theme back in X-Men, because that was the original theme of the of the book. And yeah, the we haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, and they just kind of became a superhero team. And while that's good and fun and you know, you do need to change things up once in a while, it would be kind of nice to get back to that core belief and, you know, the whole thing about Xavier's dream. Right. So that that would be great. Yeah, that's cool. Um, last book I want to talk about this week is Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Still having fun with this book. It, it's never yeah. bad. This was kind of a one-and-done story, and basically it was the, the culmination of Peter and Kitty's... Uh, Baby, baby project. project, and so what was what was funny about that was this was the time when they were supposed to present their project, and and Peter brings it up, and you can see Kitty's pissed off, and brings <laughs> up, and it just it's fall into pieces, and people are like, "You killed it!" <laughs> I love the reaction from the class. Yeah, and um, we, what we get is the story of what happened, and while Peter had the baby, and he was at the uh, had almost at the Daily Planet, the Daily Bugle. Jeez, you need to get your universes. Free. It's rough. It's so many similarities but uh basically he's attacked by a very uh, c-list villain and it, it was kind of funny because this the villain while he's cheesy he's you know he he knows like spider-man's a kid he's like a, a kid you're beating me again i don't believe this like, <laughs> how can you who, why how are you beating me but uh it, it was great it has some great uh jay jonah moments mm-hmm. um i still think kitty pride is possibly one of my favorite characters in this book Oh yeah, she's she's added a lot of fun and and like a new a new spark to this book. And it's not exactly that that the book needed it, but she she's, she's changed the book. She's a great spice to add to it. Like, mm-hmm. and she's not a main character. It's just when she has a scene, she really adds a lot of just kind of yeah. Because they were talking about how Liz uh, is now part of the X Men, and Kitty's all pissed off because she got kicked out of Xavier's, and all of a sudden Liz is now there. Yeah, and there was a great scene with a, a guidance counselor that came in, and she's talking. Oh yeah, and Kitty's like, "What? What? A mutant?" <laughs> like, it, I don't know. It was it was really funny, and and there was a great moment with Flash, thinking that everyone thinks that he's Spider Man. That goes to this. Well, I'm right. not Spider Man. If I was Spider Man, I says, wouldn't be here. He says the gym teacher is Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, he's got a gut. Well, you know that's that's his secret disguise. You know, he sucks it in. But uh, no, I mean that's. It's a good book, and I'm excited for kind of the next story arc, I guess, because we had the, the Clone Saga and then the, the Spider-Man's Amazing Friends, mm-hmm. um, and then we've kind of gotten some some very short kind of one-and-done issues, and so I'm I'm ready for the next arc to begin, but I, I think that's the book, like, I actually have the most fun reading. You know, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of books I read, and I'm in it for the, the emotion or the depth of the storyline or, or the progression of the storyline. Spider-Man's like it's probably the most like just carefree, fun book that you yep. know, you'd probably give to anyone. You know, it, it's definitely like you don't have to be an adult or you don't have to be just a kid to read it. You could definitely yeah, it's tell great it for, all for everybody. And that's kind of I mean it's kind of hard to find books for kids because I mean the content might either be too serious or 
not something that kids should be reading and you know this is definitely a book that can appeal to anyone yeah so uh, the last book I want to talk about was Thor number 8 um, this is coming off the last issue where Thor is entering the Odin sleep and has to face Odin after having the chance to bring Odin back to life and deciding not to do that and thinking that that was not best for his people and this was great. This was just basically a father and son talking. And, I mean, like I said, like I I just started reading Thor, this new series, and so this is a lot of pickup for me. But you find out that Odin basically betrayed his own father. And his father comes to him basically as a ghost and says, well, you are going to slay another um, child's father and then that child is going to become your own. And there's a huge battle with the Frost Giants, which I guess is their mortal enemies. And Odin slays one of them, and he takes that child as his own. And apparently that's how Loki becomes his adopted son. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool, because Odin talks about how he didn't understand the, his father's message, but that that was his father's way of getting his ultimate revenge because of all the things that Loki has done and will continue to do. So that was really good. And then at this point, since Thor is in the Odin sleep, um, he and Donald Blake are separate for the first time. And so Donald is kind of having a good time being on his own. And he goes to a hospital to talk to a woman that... I guess he was involved with. It was kind of confusing. And it was kind of like... It was pretty dramatic, because you find out that this woman... I guess after Ragnarok, um, everyone's memory of Donald Blake was wiped clean. And this woman and Donald were in love. And afterwards, she didn't truly remember him. She got married, she had a kid. But all of a sudden, six months ago she started to get these feelings back and she started to somewhat remember someone. And so she basically just divorces her husband for no reason. Yeah. And Donald actually ended up coming back. And so now it's, it's like, where, where do we pick up? But the running story uh, in um, this arc has been that Thor has been trying to find Lady Sip, who apparently is his lover. And he's been trying to the gods have been trapped in these mortal bodies and he's been releasing all the gods and he finally had one last go and released all of them at once but he still can't find Lady Sith and this woman who Donald Blake was talking to was a vessel for Lady Sith at one time so he kind of goes to her with the fact that him and Thor are separate he's like I want to know if you know she's dead if you know she's gone or what's going on because the fact that I'm separate from Thor right now it's going to help because I can find out some information and then I can break the news to him and he doesn't have to know about it. And what you basically find out is that in this hospital there's been an old woman who's been complaining the whole time about like how much pain she's in and it looks like she's on the verge of death. And you see Loki come in at the last panel and give her a mirror and you find out that this woman who's on her deathbed is actually Lady Sith. So that was um, pretty cool because that's been the whole undertone of the story is that Thor is trying to become the king of Asgard and he's trying to give life back to the gods, 
but he's also looking for the woman he loves. And Loki knows where she is, and he's not going to be telling. Or actually, Loki's a girl now, so she's not going to tell him. I'm confused. What are you confused about? Yeah, that sounds confusing. Is Straczynski still writing this book? Yeah. This book is good. This book is constantly, every month, it is better and better. And Oliver Koypel is not doing the art anymore, and I think that that's the one downfall of the book. Um, Marco Derjevic is doing it, and he's a great artist, but I love Koypel's art. So that's a big change up. But other than that, this book is just consistently good. I can't I can't complain about anything when it comes to this book. Alright. Uh well, real quickly, I just picked up the third trade of uh, Astonishing Oh, that was Oh, did you? I read that in one night. Things got good. <laughs> they got really good. Holy crap. What'd you think? I am loving that book so much. Like this is when this is all said and done. Like I could easily see this being an omnibus, and yeah, I, well, I, I will think buy it. If Marvel did an absolute, um, this would be the very best first absolute that they could do. Yeah, because John Cassidy's art is amazing. It is like, and it just fits everything so well. And it was, I mean, there were some kind of effed up moments where. Uh, White Queen is going through and where she starts talking to Scott and gets inside his head and uh-huh. telling him that he, maybe he wants to be like Logan and he's always been like that. And, and She talks to him about like how everyone has a role. And except him. Xavier just gave him the leader because he had nothing else for him. Yeah, and the, the moment he, he's sitting there doing bills and she's like, you might want to turn around, you know, have a little fun with me. And he turns and she's, uh, she looks like Jean. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, fuck, no. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and that's such a, like, reaction to have. He's like, oh, like, what the hell do you think you're doing? Like, and he's pissed. But it's yeah. understandable. And it was me- it was a messed up scene, like, the way she gets inside of his head and things like that. And then uh, the, the scene with Kitty and where they made her think she had the baby and she attacks Yeah, him. It's that like, was not good. Damn, like, what, what I, I really saw in this book was, like, any one of these characters, when pushed to the brink, is really capable of, of a lot of damage. And I love how she does things differently. Like, she's being so serious with all these X-Men, and then what does she do with Logan? She reverses him to the form of a little schoolgirl. Yes, that was funny. That was really funny to see that. Uh, just kind of the... <laughs> I have claws, and the uh, running from beasts. And there's, a, there's a thing after me, there's a thing. <laughs> and so was... have you gotten to the point where they all got their memories back? Yeah. Yeah, because it's great, because how does Logan actually get his memories back? He just... A beer lands on beer, him. beer hits him on the head, and he's like, oh, and it, it just kind of focuses, and the yeah. the art in that book is fantastic. But um, yeah. the, the end of the the end of the trade left was with them going to Breakworld, and the student, one of the students saying, you know, they're... Well, they're coming back, and she's like, well, not, not all of them. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh... Ooh, ooh, like I, I see now you know what I've been talking about for years. It's good. It is good. But um, so another another little bit of news. We'll try and uh, post the link on the website. But uh, the actual trailer for the Star Wars Clone Wars movie slash TV show leaked online, and it was in various different countries with uh, or, or different websites with. Uh, subtitles for different countries and, and right. it was quickly taken down from many many sites so um you might have seen it out there you might not have seen it we'll try and find a link and post it still but this was different from the actual 
video that they've been having on StarWars.com, but David and I both watched it, and I gotta say, holy crap, this show yeah. looks awesome. Yeah, because the Clone Wars is gonna be a show, but then they decided they're like, okay, but we're gonna start it off as a movie, and I'm like, well, I'm not too excited about that. Like, I'm very excited about it just because if there's a Star Wars movie event, like, if I'm waiting in line to see Star Wars, I'm happy. I'm like, but it's just going to be a show, so it's not going to be anything special. Holy crap. No, this is going to be a big deal. They Well, I think they stepped it up when they figured out they're, they're going to have it in a theater, but also, like, you know, I watched the... I have the Tartovsky Clone Wars DVDs, and those mm-hmm. were good, but they weren't on the scale of the movies. You know, things were still pretty cartoony. The Jedi were a little bit too powerful. And I was right. concerned about, with this, you know, is the motions going to be the same? Or in the other one, you know, it was animated like Samurai Jack, and things were um, very stylized. And where this one, you see the Jedi fighting with lightsabers, and the movements are all very fluid, and it looks like actors fighting, like in the movies. And so yeah. I was really, really happy to see that. Um, it looks like there, there's really going to be some weight with the series, and with Anakin having his own Padawan to, to train, which I'm really interested to see. Um, it sounded yeah, like Samuel Jackson's voice came out of Mace Windu. Yeah, it did. And I hope that that's the case. Um, you know, a big thing about this is that, and we're going to geek out a little bit, you know, it's, our podcast is called The Fanboy Strike Back for a reason. We're huge Star Wars fans. And I loved how, the, especially episode three, changed the, the first three films. Because while you originally see Darth Vader as this huge villain... After episode three, you just feel sorry for him because you know what he's been through. Right. And I think the the whole point of the story is that we're going to see more of, like, when Anakin was at his height and when he was a good man and, like, why he was, like, the greatest Jedi. And, like, we still haven't seen that, you know what I mean? It's true. Like, even in the movies, I think they had to focus so much on either his impatience and his arrogance and things like that to where a lot of people, you know, came out not liking Anakin so much because, mm-hmm. oh, okay, he's just another whiny Skywalker. Um, when he goes bad, you know, we, we got glimpses of it in the movies, and then when he goes bad, it happens so fast. And there's a lot of complaints about that. But I think this is really going to flesh that out where we see what everyone, you know, what Obi-Wan was talking about in Episode Four, like how, why Anakin was regarded as such the warrior that he was. Right. And and with yeah, the I'm this, this this does not look like the whiny Anakin Skywalker. This looks like a badass Anakin Skywalker. It does, yeah. This yeah. looks really good. Like I was surprised, like by how good it looks, and I'm a huge Star Wars. Yeah, fan, and so this is gonna be great. It just kind of made me happy because when Episode Three came out, you know, David, David and I were in line for it, and we're, you know, we've, we've <laughs> done this before, and we're, we're saying, you know, you know, we're excited, but it's kind of bittersweet at the same time because this is it. This is this Star Wars is over after this, and. And now it's like, after watching this and hearing that, you know, they're going to put it in theaters, I'm, I'm like, you know, it, it's it's nice. You know, Star Wars isn't over. It. And yeah. I, I'm very, very happy about that. And it looks like it's in good hands. And I'm even more happy about that because I groaned when I heard there was going to be TV shows. Yeah, but no, if, I hear you. if they're handled this well, then, you know, and, and, and I'm saying that before even seeing the show, but just from viewing the trailers, oh, it I... Looks, yeah, it looks damn good. It looks like it's being handled by people who respect and grew up with the franchise and, and want to do it right. So, very happy on a, with that. On a related note to Star Wars, um, there's a little project that I've been working on, and if you go to our forum, 
you'll see pictures of this project, which I just completed. <laughs> and we're I'm not going to say anything else. All I'm going to say is that if you do want to see pictures of my Star Wars-related project that I was very excited about, go to our website, head over to the forums, check it out. <laughs> it is quite spectacular. Um, so, I, I don't know how to top it with that, so I think we'll end there. Um, if you have anything that uh, any questions about the show or content that you'd like to see or any feedback for us, you can uh, email us at contact at fanboystrikeback.com. And, uh, you know, we always love to hear questions about the show. You know, we'll, we'll read them on the show and, and answer whatever you have for us. Um, you can also go to our website at www.fanboystrikeback.com, and that is where we post our written reviews of the week. And uh, also we have links to our forums uh, movie trailers, movie posters. We just posted a bunch of new uh, movie posters for the Dark Knight movie that's coming out, the Batman one. And so, looking awesome. Yeah, there's some pretty good new posters. So, uh, yeah, and in our forums, uh, we've started topics. Uh, we love to see you on there and, and talking about stuff that we've been talking about for a while or go, go on and, and start a new topic, and we'll jump into that. Um, it's a good way to cover anything that you don't see or hear on the show. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes iTunes, Podcast Alley, any podcast you're out there. Uh, if you like our show, please leave us a review, tell your friends, get the word of mouth out. Um, like Eric said, hop on over to the forum. You uh, can always discuss whatever you want there. We have a lot of posts, like we, Eric said. You can reply to those or just create something else. It's great to hear everyone's voice. Um, we've been getting a couple comments on the site lately, which is cool because we always like to hear what you guys think. And then you're going to want to stay tuned to next week's show, because this weekend, uh, Iron Man is coming out. Yes, we will be so seeing So we are going to have the review of that, and it's it's crazy, like, summer movie season's here, and I think there's, like, every every week in May, I think there's a movie that I want to see. Yeah, there's a lot of movies coming out. There's Iron Man, Speed Racer, Indiana Jones is coming out, like, it's it's here. Yeah, I'm, and I'm ready. I'm, I've been waiting for this. Okay, so with that, uh, that does it for us this week. I'm Eric. I'm David. And we'll see you next week. Scream my name just one more time.